Well, how many of you know anything about hermit crabs? Did you know that there are 1,100 species of hermit crabs in the world? 1,100 species of hermit crabs. And if you don't know anything about hermit crabs, the special thing about hermit crabs is that they are a crab without a shell of their own. They go around and scavenge for other shells that are used, whether that be other crabs or snails, and then they take those as their shell. Some have even been known to use pieces of wood or a hollowed-out rock as a shell. And so this is what hermit crabs do. They're named after, of course, hermits who are people. Uh, they, they're named because they basically hide away in whatever shell they can find. And like real hermits, hermits are people who hide away from society and try to get away from people. And, but I've read something very interesting about hermit crabs this week, and that's that they don't completely avoid other contact with other hermit crabs. Of course, there's reasons like um, parenting or reproduction that they have, uh, they're together. But there's something very interesting that happens when hermit crabs find a new shell. Okay, so imagine them finding this really shiny new shell that's been abandoned or by a creature who died, and it's bigger than a lot of the other shells. What, it's very interesting what they do. Several crabs will line up around it, and they'll form what's called a vacancy chain. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> okay, what they do, they literally line up from biggest to smallest. Okay, and the biggest crab will leave his shell and take the new, biggest, new, shiny, new shell. Okay, they'll take over that. The second shell, or second crab in line, will leave its shell and take over the first crab's old shell. And the third one will take over the second, and so on. It's really interesting. It's like a mutual housing improvement agreement. <laughs> but these crabs, named for solitary living and being alone, they actually need each other. They need each other to help like, promote themselves in life, I guess. <laughs> well, while these types of crabs are named for, after hermits, whether appropriately or not, I would say that we as humans need each other way more than hermit crabs do. We really do need each other. God, I believe, I would argue very strongly that humans are not made to be hermits. We're not meant to be alone. See, God has made us in a way that reflects who he is. God has made us, God is relational, and he has made us in his image as relational beings. We need relationships. It's why we depend on our parents for so many years growing up. Or why we all love a good party or a get-together. It's why we end up falling in love and getting married and having babies and making generations, multiplying the human race. It's why we all long for family. Even after a family might be broken, we long for that family to be restored. We long for those relationships. It's why no one wants to die alone. We're relational beings at our core, and God has made us that way. We need each other desperately, and that need is put into us by God. It's a need to be in some kind of community with people. Uh, Ray, who spoke last week, he introduced this concept that we're 
really excited about trying to develop a stronger community here in our church and stronger relationships. And I know that this is many of your desire as well. And that's a great thing. You desire stronger family relationships, friend relationships, church relationships, stronger relationships with God. These are excellent desires to have. They're put into us by God. And we're going to be introducing some exciting new things over the next few weeks that we believe will help us in these areas, that will help build stronger relationships, that help you grow in your faith. But as we do this, as we bring ideas to you in different events and ministries in this season, we're going to be looking at the Bible. And we're going to be looking at what God says about relationships. And we're going to have a sermon series on how the Bible says we, as Christians need to have strong relationships in God's family. If it's so important that we have these relationships, how do we do that? Because God hasn't left us in the dark. And there are a number of instructions in the New Testament that talk about this. We often refer to these as the one another's of the New Testament, where God or an apostle tells us to do things to or for or with one another as fellow Christians. And so I've entitled this series Connected in community, connected in community, and we've re- that's because we really feel the need that we, that every person in our church needs to be connected in community together. We're going to begin today with one very important one another, perhaps the most important one of all. It's one that Jesus really emphasized before he left her, and he really hit it home. To do this, please turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, the, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, chapter 13. But as we look at this scripture together, let's pray and ask God to guide us into truth. Lord, we pray as I speak from your word this morning that you would help me, help me to have words that are not my own, but that are yours, and that they would speak to each one of our hearts, that we would really be changed by your Spirit working on us. And we pray that your Spirit would be welcome here in our hearts and that in our minds, and that really each one of us would be changed by your love today. We ask this in your name. Amen. So this passage we're looking at takes place in a very familiar part of Jesus' story. We know it as the Last Supper. It's the final meal that Jesus enjoyed on earth, with his disciples before he died and left earth for heaven. His earthly ministry was coming to a conclusion, and as he sat at the Passover supper, he gave a number of instructions to his disciples whom he was leaving behind to carry on his work. We're going to pick up the story in verse 30. And at this point, Jesus has already taken the time to wash his disciples' feet. They've eaten some food. He's talked about Judas being the one that's going to betray him. And Judas is just getting up to leave. And this is where we're going to jump in, in verse 31, actually, verse 31. It says, When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. 
can stop there. You see the one another there? It's hard to miss. He repeats it three times. Love one another. Love one another. In these few short verses, I think we learn a lot about loving one another as Christians. Some of you might ask here, do we really need to love one another? Do we really need to? Because, I mean, I've been around the church a while, and a lot of people aren't very lovable in the church. (laughs) So do we really need to? Well, I believe the Bible would strongly say, yes, we do. We need to love one another, lovable or not. The first thing that we understand from this passage is that loving one another is not an option for followers of Christ. Loving one another is not an option for followers of Christ. If we are a Christian, we don't have a choice. We are commanded to love one another. In verse 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you. Love one another. A new command. As we've talked about before, commands are not suggestions. They are not options. It's an order. And this one comes straight from Jesus to his disciples. I mean, today we live on having options. We love having options. We love having iPods full of thousands of songs that we can choose what to listen to anytime we want. Or we love having the option of going to a theater and choosing which of several movies to watch. Or going out to eat and getting a menu or seeing a menu and being able to choose certain things that you want to eat. But sometimes when we come to the Bible, we like to pick and choose commands. I'll take that command and that one and that one. Don't know about that one. Um, You know? We do that when we come to God's Word. But if we're to take, or if we truly want to live for Jesus, we have to take his command seriously. Later in this same talk with his disciples, in chapter 14, he says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Jesus basically says, if we love Jesus, or if we don't obey Jesus, we don't actually love him. We need to to obey him and his commands. So this is very important. When he says, a new command I give you, love one another, that we learn what it means to love one another. Truly how he meant. And you might ask, well, are we only supposed to love each other? I mean, fellow disciples, are we supposed to love those outside the church as well? Well, of course we're supposed to love everyone. But that would be what the Bible, the whole testimony of the Bible would point to. That we're to love people with the goal of take, bringing them to Christ. But here Jesus is speaking of a specific, strong love between believers, a bond. And we need to love each other as family, as the family of God is. Brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children and grandparents in Christ as family. Now, many of you might say here that, you know, Pastor Matt, you're preaching to the choir here. I know how important it is to love one another. I've been taught that all my life. I know it. And I know, I do want to commend you that many of you are great at loving one another. But there's always room for growth. There's always room for every one of us to learn how to love each other better. 
D.A. Carson says this about this verse. He says, The new command is simple enough for a toddler to memorize and appreciate, yet profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly they comprehend it and put it into practice. I know I can relate to that. It's easy to read and appreciate and think, oh, that's a good command. When we really get down to business and think about, are we obeying that? We get embarrassed and like, yikes. I can do better. It's amazing how short we fall of really loving one another. And about those who aren't so lovable in the church, those who hurt you or backstab you or gossip, betray. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We were not lovable when Christ chose to love us. We were way less lovable than any person you've ever met. And Christ chose to love us anyway. And as followers of him, we must do the same. Love one another despite our weaknesses or where we fall short, our issues. It's very important we do this. Now some of you very keen or alert people out there probably noticed something about this command that Jesus said. Jesus said in verse 34, a new command I give you. But this command to love was not very new, was it? This is not a new, the command to love was not a new command. In fact, it was a very old command. It was part of the law. The command where Jesus said the greatest commandments in the entire law are this, love God and love other people. Well, those were in the law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They were there. So how can Jesus here say that this is a new command that I'm giving you? Love one another. We learn later that uh, the scripture in Scripture that love actually summed up the law and fulfilled the law. But it still doesn't answer the question, how did... How, did he, how could he say it was a new command? And I would say this, that it, he can say it was new because he was introducing a completely new standard of love. He was introducing a completely new standard of love, and that was himself. Himself. The second thing we learn in this passage about loving one another is that loving one another follows Jesus' example. Loving one another follows Jesus' example. We need to love each other like Jesus loved us. Continue in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you. The best way to learn how to do something is learning by example. Or to see an example before we learn how to do it. For those of you who have ever learned how to play an instrument or sing or Take a lesson before. What would happen if you went to a lesson and you didn't know how an instrument was supposed to sound, you didn't know how a song was supposed to sound, and your teacher gave you a piece of music and said, okay, go learn this? It would be very difficult. It would be probably impossible. When I took piano lessons, my piano teacher would play me a song first and then send me home with the music, or maybe it would be a familiar song to me already, so I know somewhat of how it was supposed to sound or I'd heard someone else play it. But you always have to have that context in your mind. Okay, this is, I have to learn this. Oh, that's how it sounds like. That's how it sounds. 
Can you imagine going and not knowing anything about what it's supposed to be like and trying to play? It would be impossible. We learn best when it's demonstrated to us. Think of the movie The Karate Kid. Okay, not the recent one. I haven't even seen that yet. But the old one from the 80s with uh, Daniel uh, and uh, Mr. Miyagi. Okay? How, when Mr. Miyagi started teaching Daniel how to, uh, karate, to do karate, what did he do? He showed him by example. He had him do all these crazy exercises that he didn't know what to do with. And like, you know, the wax on and wax off and the whole crane thing. But he always demonstrated it first. And through that demonstration, Daniel learned how to be a champion at karate. It's really, it's such a blessing that Jesus demonstrated what he wanted us to do in loving each other. He did. He didn't leave us in the dark. He demonstrated what love is. And by learning what Jesus did, we can learn how to love one another better. So how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love us? Well, in this passage, he was speaking to his 12 disciples. So how did he show them love? I think that this surrounding passage around here tell us how he loved him. I might just turn back. We might be on the same page or the page before. It's the beginning of John 13. In John 13, 1. It says, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. I think we see a few ways that Jesus loved his disciples here. First of all, it says that Jesus had already loved his own that were in the world. This would be referring to his ministry on earth. How he loved his disciples by ministering to them. Through teaching them, training them, guiding them, developing them, praying for them. All these were ways that he showed his disciples love. He had loved them dearly. Second, it says that he now showed them the full extent of his love. And the next few verses talk about him serving the disciples by washing their feet. Verse 4 says, he, rose, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he continued to serve them in this way. And then later he says, I want you to serve others the same way I've served you. We're going to be looking a lot more at, in detail at serving it in a couple weeks. But this is another way that Jesus showed his disciples love. But when this verse says that he now showed them the full extent of his love, I believe it's also foreshadowing something that was just about to happen. Again, later in this same talk in John 15, he's still talking to his disciples And he says, my command is this. He repeats it. Love each other as I have loved you. And then he says, greater love has no one than this. Than what? That he lay down his life for his friends. The ultimate show of love would come two days later. When Jesus hung on the cross and died for his disciples. For those who would accept him. Now, each of these three ways that he showed love to his disciples, he showed love to us as well. Each one of them. 
We are all beneficiaries of his ministry. And as you probably experience today, his teaching still changes us. He teaches us and guides us. It's still changing us today. He's also continually serving us. Later in Hebrews, we learn that he's serving us as our great high priest in heaven, night and day. Continually serving us as his disciples. And of course, he died for us. Romans 5.8 says that but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know these things? Do you know that Christ loved you and loves you? Do you know he died for you? Jesus took what we deserved on the cross. See, we deserved that death. We deserved it because we've sinned against the holy God. But he died taking that punishment, rose again offers us forgiveness and grace and salvation and love. That's, that's true love. If you haven't accepted this, this is so important to do. It's the most important thing you could ever do. You need to believe this love. Believe that Jesus came for you, died for you, took your place, and then turn your life from sin and follow him. I can talk to you more later about this. I'd love to. It's the most important thing you could ever do. You need to believe in this love. For those of us who have already done this, what does this look like in our lives? How do we love one another in the way that Christ loved? Because really, technically, it's impossible for us to love each other exactly how Christ loved us, because he loved us 100% unconditionally. And we have all sorts of conditions in our mind. But it's to be our goal. We're to strive for that, to love one another the way he did. So how do we do that? Well, take the three ways that he showed love here. There are, of course, countless other ways. But are you ministering to other people? You serving other people through ministry, through whether it's teaching or mentoring, discipling, leading, praying for others, through serving them, whether that be in a specific ministry like youth or the nursery or worship, or whether it's serving in a position like deacon or trustee or officer. There are many ways to do this, to show love to those around you. And when it comes to loving others like Christ did in his death, think about the sacrifice he showed in that. Think about what he had to give up for us, the reputation he lost, the sins he bore, the humility he showed in order to save us. When you love someone, does it cost you anything? Do you have to make any sacrifices at all? If you're loving each other like Jesus loved, it will. It will cost you something. Maybe that means forgiving someone who has wronged you, sacrificing your pride there. Or humbling yourself to associate with someone of a lower social position than you. 
befriending someone who you don't think deserves it, or giving up of your time or your money or your resources in order to love someone. The big new thing we're excited about here at Calvary is small groups. And by small groups, we are talking about groups that meet in homes together to study and discuss scripture together, to apply it into our lives, and to have fellowship, uh, strong biblical fellowship, developing community, true community. And through it, learning how to love God and love each other better. It's a great way to do this. Now, small groups is just one of many methods of discipleship that we could choose. But we believe it's one that's especially effective to do so. And in small groups, people really learn to love each other like Christ loved. Do you feel like sometimes you're unloved in the church? Many people do. This is a great opportunity to get involved and to really be loved and to show love to others. Do you feel like you aren't growing in your faith, that you're stagnating? Again, a great way to help apply Scripture and to spur one another on in our faith. Do you feel like in the hour and a half you're here on a Sunday morning, you can't really connect with people, have a strong fellowship and relationship like God intended? It's not easy to do. We're here and then we're gone. But in small groups, it's a great way to do it and get to really build deep relationships with fellow believers. Uh, Jeffrey Arnold says that there is no passage in the Bible that says you must have small groups for people to grow in their faith. Instead, what is in the Bible is an understanding from beginning to end that people need an authentic, intimate community in which to grow. In the scriptures, a community is a group of people living under God's rule who are learning how to love God and love one another. That's really what a small group is. A group of people living under God's rule who are learning how to love God and love each other. You'll be hearing a lot more about this over the next few weeks, and we'll need some of you to help out, some of you as leaders or assistant leaders or hosts. And so, But be excited. We are. It's going to be a great challenge and great journey together and a way that we can learn how to love each other better. So stay tuned for this. But in this uh, passage just today, I want there's one other thing that I think we learn in these verses about loving one another. First of all, loving one another isn't an option, and it follows Jesus' example. And finally, loving one another shows the world whom we follow. Loving one another shows the world whom we follow. When the world sees us love each other, it shows them Jesus. Loving one another shows the world. Read in verse 34 again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The word disciple means to be a committed learner and follower. So if we are committed to learning from Jesus and about Jesus and following his commands, then we are a disciple. That makes us a disciple. But our discipleship is displayed by our love for fellow disciples. Did you see that? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How the world should determine that we are Christians is by our love. 
Now, right away you might say, well, that's not what Christians are known for today, is it? And that's the sad and really tragic truth today. We're known for lots of things. Usually they're things that we disagree with or don't do. Not what we do. We're hardly ever known for our love. But that needs to be the case. It would be much better if we are known by something that we do than something we don't do. Something that we are following Jesus in. The evidence of being disciples of Jesus should be love for fellow disciples. Now, after Jesus gave this very important command to his disciples, do you think that they automatically knew how to love one another? No. And that's not the picture we get either. In fact, it seems in this passage that they completely missed his point. And let's, uh, just as a case study, let's look at the case study of Peter. I like Peter, <laughs> kind of outspoken, uh, brash, but he really learned how to follow Jesus. Remember how right before this command, Jesus said how he was going to go away, leave the disciples? Well, this wasn't new news for them. Okay, If they had been paying attention over the last three and a half years, they would have known that Jesus would be going away soon that they, they would know that he was going to die and rise again and then go into heaven. <laughs> but they seemed oblivious until now. And notice what Peter says next, right after this command in verse 36. It says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Now, you notice something here? <laughs> it's like Jesus just says, okay, I'm going to go away and you can't follow. But after I'm gone... Here's a new and very important command that you all need to follow. Love one another. Love one another like I loved you. Love, the world will know that you're disciples if you love one another. And then Peter goes, wait, wait, what? You're going away? It's like he completely missed what Jesus just said. Nothing about loving, only about leaving. And so he missed the point. And you can almost hear Jesus sigh when he has to repeat himself. He said, Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Well, that doesn't satisfy Peter, and he keeps asking about it. Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Notice that Peter claimed to be willing to do what Jesus would say is the ultimate show of love. That's what he claimed to be willing to do for Jesus. But Jesus knew that was an exaggeration. Verse 38, Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Really, Peter? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. It's like, no, you'll actually do the opposite. As P- and Peter would end up doing exactly as Jesus said. As Jesus was marched off to his death, we see Peter there, denying that he even knew who Jesus was. Now later, after Jesus died and rose again and meets back with the disciples, do you remember the question that he asked Peter? He asked it three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? 
And Peter, I think, there began to understand the importance of love. The importance of love. If you're here and you feel like you failed in the past for loving people and loving God the way you should, there's grace, just as there was for Peter. This is an opportunity to turn around, turn it around, begin to show love for one another. Years later, when Peter wrote a letter to the churches, do you know what he told them? I really want you to see this. So turn with me later in the New Testament to 1 Peter. So the book Peter wrote towards the end in 1 Peter chapter 4. It seems when he says this, he had finally learned his lesson about loving one another. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. He says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to, sh- to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, Jesus' example of love had changed Peter. It had changed Peter. And now he gets it. He's telling his followers, above all, Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. And he can change you the same way. Will you consider how you can begin to love one another better? Starting this week. Whether that means forgiving someone who you never wanted to forgive in your life. Or maybe it's by volunteering to serve in a ministry or to help minister to other people. Or maybe it's showing hospitality, like Peter talks about here, and volunteering in a few weeks to host a small group in your home. Or to join a small group and learn how to love each other better in that community. There's so many different ideas and opportunities to show love to one another. And whatever the case, though, let us remember to do it with the same goal that Peter has here. So that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. For our love truly displays to the world whom we follow. That's Jesus. We're going to close today by celebrating the same meal that Jesus had with his disciples here when he gave them this command to love each other. And this time I'll invite those who are helping serve in the worship team as well up. We're told to continue to follow this and to take communion together as a reminder of his death, as a reminder of the ultimate show of love. And as we do this, let's remember that love. Remember and purpose to do our best to love those around us as well. If you are a fellow disciple of Jesus... You're welcome to to participate with us. If you haven't yet known this love for yourself, we ask you just to pass the plate by at this time.
But take this time to think about the sacrifice that Jesus showed you and the love that he showed you on the cross. So let's celebrate communion and community together at this time.